This is Michael Osterlink. Welcome to O Radio, where we, where we explore individual and social transformation through collaborative action. I'm a psychotherapist with a transpersonal and somatic specialization. I'm also a transparson social entrepreneur and head instructor at Seal Fitz and Bebo Mind Academy. Today's show is brought to you by Somatic Psychotherapy Today, which offers a collection of articles and insights written to explore the relational realities in body-oriented psychotherapy. You can learn more about Somatic Psychotherapy Today at www.somaticpsychotherapytoday.com. Today, our guest is Joan Davis. Hello, Joan. Hello. Joan is a pioneer in contemporary dance in Ireland in the 70s and 80s and has experimented with collaborative arts as a professional artist and therapist. Joan is a body-mind centering practitioner, has studied authentic movement with Janet Adler, and is a Hakomi sensory motor trauma psychotherapist. She continues her studies in the disciplines of authentic movement, developmental processes, as well as embryological and early infant trauma. She is also the author of this amazing book, Origins, a somatically based approach to our developmental and evolutionary process from preconception to standing. Good to see you, Joan. Thank you. Thank you. So your book is amazing. And as I kind of talked to you a little earlier, you integrate so much material. Uh, and I just have to imagine the path you took to get to the place you are it has to be an amazing inspirational story. So mm -hmm. can you talk to us about like, you know, what led you on this path that eventually created this origins, which is yeah. really a large yeah. book full yeah. of amazing information. It weighs two and a half kilos. <laughs> <laughs> so it's been a big baby. <laughs> One of my bigger babies. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, that's kind of an interesting place really to start because um, I was married very, very young and I had, I had two of my children um, before the age of 22. And I really, I found it very difficult to be at home as, as a mom and um, in a very kind of patriarchal society where women were expected to be at home and be housewives. And um, I come from a Jewish background, so it was felt even more patriarchal. <laughs> and that one had to be the perfect housewife and, um, and all of that, you know. So, so that, that I, I really struggled with that. And also the births of my children, um, they were challenging in their own ways. Um, I mean, according to normal um, uh, hospitalization, they were completely normal. But to me, they weren't normal. Um, it was not normal to give birth on my back. It was not normal to be left alone screaming in a room. <laughs> it was not normal um, to have the baby taken away straight after birth. Um, but I didn't know anything. And so I went uh, along with things that I, I just didn't know. So it was really in my efforts to heal a lot of that, that all this work began. And after I had my third child, when I was 29, um, I started dancing. And it just gave me such, um, such a powerful, Graham technique came to, 
to, to Dublin. And um, it gave me such a, a satisfying form of expression that um, it was kind of a life or death um, um, thing to get to my classes and to, to have that time for myself. So, um, so that's really how it all began. And then, and then uh, so I, da I danced uh, badly, but I danced for about 13 years and formed a dance company because I had started so late in life my body was very fixed and set in its way. So it was like, if I wanted to dance, I had to create my own dance company. And, and that's what I did. And there wasn't much of that in, in Dublin at the time. In fact, it was really only ballet. And so the Arts Council gave us a little support and things developed and grew. And then, and then it got to the stage where I was nearly 40. And, um, and my body really, I was getting very tired <laughs> and my marriage had broken down because again, it wasn't the done thing for a Jewish housewife to be running off to classes or choreographing or putting on performances or doing all of that. So, um, so my marriage had broken down and and then funding was taken away from all dance in Ireland. It was quite a, an extraordinary thing. So I was, I was kind of left on a limb. And, um, and with a little bit of settlement from the Irish Arts Council, I decided to do Bonnie Bainbridge Cohen's uh, Body Mind Centering. And so every summer for four summers, I headed off to Northampton and became immersed in for six or seven weeks at a time in these different systems. And it was just extraordinary to land into that. And that your experience counted for something. It was, it was really life-changing. And Bonnie was, is and still is. But then for me, it was like, my goodness, a teacher like this, that you can learn in this way, that you can be heard and respected. And again, it wasn't, you know, that old fashioned, I'm the authority, I know what's right for you. And this is how you learn. And this is how you do this. It was much more expanded than that. So this was just, I, I just felt I had dropped into heaven in some way and I came back and I would start teaching immediately what I had learned that summer and using that as my case studies as well. So actually before you go on, if you don't mind, yeah. for folks who might not know about body mind centering, if you can okay. just give us a little insight yes. so have an idea of what you know how, how you were learning to be inside of yourself. Basically. Yes. Okay. Um, and, and why the, the, the you, you pointed out the the authority is like mm -hmm. it wasn't an authority telling you how to live it's a different model so maybe a little a background on that model. yeah yeah thank you so um so body mind centering as i learned it was really about deeply coming into your own body and experiencing the different systems like bone muscles uh, nerves skin uh, fluids um ligaments, joints, um, 
all of the different systems in the body um, and your experience was was how you, the system in your body was expressing itself. So there might be some commonalities, you know, like bone giving structure, or you might feel your container if you're in bone, but everybody would experience that container differently in their own unique way. And everybody's unique experience would be included. Um, so it was really what Bonnie would call it the mind of the system, but it was your unique mind of the system and the beliefs that might have landed there or the traumas that might have landed in the systems. And um, <clears throat> so it was very in-depth about coming into your body to find you were your own authority, really. And, and that was... And that was to be believed and taken seriously. So For you, this was revolutionary to me. Yeah, as you explored this, how did this show up? In as you started at the beginning of this conversation, the patriarchal society you you grew up in. You happen to have a different religion, Jewish, than most, mm -hmm. either Catholic or Protestant, mm -hmm. Dublin. So, as you begin to explore your own bodily systems from the subjective space and realizing your, your own authority of your own life, you know, how does that show up in, in the kind of the system you're operating in when you went back home yeah. to Ireland? Yeah, well, it was difficult. <laughs> I have to say it was difficult. And um, I remember teaching um, a class on the liver, for example, and everybody, you know, in the class, um, contacting their own liver and what kind of mindset went with that and had the emotions and everything. And suddenly one person stood up and said, this is too mad. I can't stand this. It was actually a man, interestingly enough. And he said, I've got to go. And that was it. <laughs> you know, we had to go. So that would often come in um, this, it's too crazy for me. I can't deal with what I'm meeting in here. Yeah. Um, um, more often it would be, you're mad, Joan. You're teaching something that's crazy here, you know. But then there were enough, <clears throat> excuse me, there were enough people who started to feel the value. Now, I have to say, very few men would come to classes but um, <clears throat> and more women than men, yeah. And it's still that way. Okay, I was gonna ask you, is it still that way? Yeah. It's still that way, it's still that way. Um, it just Can seems guess why? Well, I, in my experience, it's, it seems to be more challenging for men to look in, to come into the interior space. Um, I'm not sure why that is, but that's, you know, there's some, something more vulnerable, much more vulnerable about for men about doing that. So, and also doing that with a woman in, you know, as your teacher is, is there's something incredibly vulnerable about that. Um, whereas women, women have a different physiology anyway they are more internal often and they're more relational 
Um, but I mean, it's, it's, it's a bit of a generalization because of course that's not always true. But, um, but that's what I've experienced that women seem to gravitate more towards community and interaction and the support of other women. Um, but men find that maybe a little harder in some ways. Yes. So, so that's, and, and maybe men, and it's, it's not true generally at all, but when the men who have come to this work, to me in this work, they will often have, <clears throat> which women have too, but a very, very strong mental conceptual framework that they need to have in place before, um, yeah, and, and that it's hard to, for them to believe the information they're getting. Unless they're particularly sensitive, mm -hmm. men able to be with their sensitivity and have a creative or artistic bent. Then, so, Just so I'm clear, so what I hear you saying is that for some men, at least, that were drawn to the work, they, they had to understand it conceptually or, or cognitively yeah. to step into it experientially. Yeah. For the most yeah. part. Okay, interesting. Yeah, for the most part. And even then, it's hard for them to believe the information that might be coming through their bodies. Yeah. So mm -hmm. four summers of training with uh, body-mind centering. So yeah. traveling back and forth between Ireland and Massachusetts. Yes. Yeah. yeah, I would come back each year a basket case. That's all I can say, <laughs> having been immersed in what, you know one or two systems for seven weeks yeah so so it would take me the whole year <clears throat> to actually integrate or make some sense of what i had um encountered yeah yeah you have other trainings too so you know not that you've completed <clears throat> body and mind centering because I, I have to imagine it's a lifelong process continual exploration but what were some of the other things you also studied and, and the relationship that you saw between these various schools of thought and practice? Yes. Well, um, uh, one of the biggest shifts was in taking the Hakomi sensory motor um, trauma uh, training. And that really helped me make even more sense of all the different body systems and where trauma might have landed in the tissue. So, um, so that was, that was amazing. I actually did that training twice because it was, and it was so tremendously healing for me to be able to come into my body, know I was in muscle and that this muscle was holding so tightly because it needed to push something away or it needed to reach or it needed to motor in a particular kind of way that it had never been allowed to do or knew that it even could do. So, so that was, that was really powerful. Um, and also, can you, yeah. Uh, can you just for, can you say a little bit more about the Hakomi method? Yes. How they approach trauma? Well, they approach trauma through, um, now I have to think back cause that was back in 2002. And they certainly, they approach it through the nervous system primarily and the sensory, the, the information that comes in through your senses in, in, in a traumatic situation, where it gets stuck and the overwhelm 
and then managing that overwhelm and breaking it down into tiny pieces and titrating the work. And they would use certain, they had, they had a lot of skills like certain probes, things they would say that would trigger things, but also then ways of resourcing the person who was in the process. So, um, yeah. And they also very clearly differentiated between trauma of, of an accident or a dental appointment or a hospitalization and sexual abuse trauma. So that was, again, it was just really valuable to start breaking all of that down more. Yeah. So you have uh, body-mind centering and the Hakomi method. You yes. have other trainings. What other, yes. what other things did you get well, into? The other, I didn't do this as a complete training, but I was involved with the process-oriented psychology, POP, for many years. And, um, and they ran several trainings in, in Dublin over a long, quite a long, you know, maybe a 15-year time. And I, I, was, I was more part of the community, but I never fully stepped in. There was something about it that didn't, didn't quite sit for me in everything else that I was doing. And yet it included movement, it included dialogue, it included community. The world work was very powerful, um, you know, and um, yeah. So, so there was something, something very nourishing in being part of that community. And that's um, the uh, work of Amy and Arnold Mendel. For Amy and Arnold Mendel, yeah. Um, they came once to Ireland and that was just amazing but um, to work with the you know to work with the the master was yep. was really super even though the other teachers were excellent as well in their own individual way um, but to work with the horse's mouth as I call <laughs> it is always special <clears throat> yeah I also know too that you studied authentic movement can you talk a little bit about your work there? Yes. Well, <clears throat> when I started, it was interesting. This came together with the body-mind centering work. And so when I was in Northampton, um, like every second of your day was packed. You had lectures sort of from half eight in the morning until half 12. And then there was lunch and there was all these little workshops and meetings going on at lunch. And then you were back in for more work until about 5.36. And then you had to have sessions with people and you had to have peer partner meetings. And it, it was nonstop, like for, you know, a good 12 hours every day. So it was in one of these lunchtime meetings that um, I was introduced to the form of and practice of authentic movement. And I just loved it. Absolutely loved it. It was so, again, this space to have your own experience and to be let be in your inner world. And Bonnie had also done a form of this um, it, but it came from Japan and it was extremely powerful as well. I can't remember quite how we got into it, but I remember um, her guiding us into it one day in a seminar 
and it just it just blew fuses all over the place where where the spaces one could access in oneself. You know, as I mentioned to you offline, um, I I did uh, Don Don Johnson's uh, program at CIS, mm. uh, somatics somatic psychology, and one of my teachers was Tina Stromstead, who was mm -hmm. a student of, mm. of Ann Adler. Yeah. And I, my experience is very similar. The power of, yes. of spontaneous movement, yes. the mentations and the emotions and the, yes. how everything just kind of comes out. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And the, um, so I remember um, on the workshops with, uh, with seminars with Janice that Tina was her assistant for oh, cool. several years. So okay. um, I got to know Tina quite well and she actually, she actually came to, to Ireland to where I live and offered a workshop here one year. And then she was, I think she was also working in gap group analytic process as well. She was bringing the authentic. So, so yeah, so I have very fond memories of Tina. Um, but also in that um, summer of um, the first summer of um a body mind centering somebody was offering workshops where you could make art directly from the body mm. and that opened again a whole world for me to paint from my bones or to paint from my organs or to um use clay from my muscles you know i was again it was so spontaneous and immediate what would come on the page. It was quite extraordinary. It was so alive. It was so alive. That's awesome. So that was great, yeah. Let me ask you this. At the beginning of the conversation, you mentioned, you know, you gave a conventional birth. Yes. It sounded like you had an intuition that something was off, you know, like yes. babies were separated from you, you're on your back. You know, the way the con conventional medical system has medicalized birth, you know, you had a, kind of an intuition that wasn't right, but that's the way it was done in your society, mm. as it is for most mm. parts of the United States as well. Mm. And I know, you know, that uh, pre and perinatal psychology and health are an important part of your work. Yeah. So I'm wondering, you know, how did you go from body mind centering to Hakomi to uh, uh, authentic movement and then kind of into the pre and perinatal space? Mm. Well, it started with Bonnie. It started in Bonnie because she, we mm. worked with all the reflexes there, the early, very early developmental reflexes, all the, the developmental movement patterns, rolling, creeping, crawling, coming up to standing. There's a, a big arc of the developmental process from even pre-birth and in the womb and even preconception, you know, because Bonnie always sort of, um, not sort of, she actually would run the evolutionary development of mankind alongside the human d development. I never remember those big words, what they each are called. <laughs> but um, but we, so we had the evolutionary process of the species in a way, um, and we had the developmental process of the human being where it's mirrored at different stages in the early embryology, you know, where there's um, uh, 
fish-like movements or there's, you know, all, all of that kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. So it really did start there. And then, and then I just got more deeply involved in it. Well, I, I find it really interesting that, you know, that it's almost full circle. And I'm yeah. curious, you know, as you got into kind of the uh, embryological self-experimentation -exp and, and uh, kind of the deep dive, you know, what did you learn about birth? Mm. You know, were you, because I know part of your book, you know, um, you talk about kind of repatterning yes. things. And I'm curious, like, you know, did you find yourself uh, repatterned in terms of the conventional birth that you gave to your three kids? Yes. Start doing this work. And what, what does that mean for you and how did that show up in your life? Okay. Well, um, what started to happen was that women were coming to see me and a few of them became pregnant while they were coming to see me. So I took on the unofficial role of doula. Nice. Which is a birth companion. Yeah. And there was something vicarious in repassioning and actually helping them to follow their instincts <clears throat> in how they wanted to give birth. And at that time, it was just on the cusp of, in the maternity hospitals here, the possibility of what they call domiciliary care, where you could be at home and there might be a midwife call out to you, and then you could go into the hospital, but have a, a special room where they were more open to alternative ways. So this was tremendously healing to me to help facilitate women in giving birth. Um, and during the program, um, the Origins program, in fact, five babies were conceived and birthed during wow. that time. That's cool. I wasn't a doula to them, but, but the, because the whole program was about conception and you know fertilization and all these things um then it like people who several people who hadn't been able to conceive before found themselves pregnant <clears throat> so it was really remarkable but that was my healing it was through through working with other people and making those helping them make make those kinds of decisions that 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 nourished me because, of course, by that stage, I certainly wasn't having any more children or, you know, I, I was in menopause. I was through menopause by then. So there was something in the eldering or the uh, grandparenting role there that that was was very, very healing. Yeah. Mm. So you have these various uh, trainings that you did, and it sounds like they're kind of interconnected. I mean, mm -hmm. they feed into each other, they nourish each other, they support one another. But you, you're an integrationist. Uh, you, you went one step further in your new book, Origins, which mm -hmm. is also a program I might want to point out too, you've already acknowledged. Mm -hmm. Origins is a somatically based approach to our developmental and evolutionary processes from preconception to standing. So how did you go from all this really interesting training and working with people to creating a program and then this book? Yeah. Well, I just, I felt, again, it, this is just what happens to me. I just have to do it. Mm -hmm. You know, like, I just have to. 
there's just no question. This has to happen or it has to be put out there. And, um, and it was overwhelming the um, number of people that wanted to do this program. So it was obviously a kind of a right timing. Um, and that was the second time in my life that that had happened. The first time was when I started the dance company and I started to offer contemporary dance classes and fame happened to be on television and everybody wanted to be in a leotard and tights. So it was like timing, you know, and this, this was the, and then with origins, this was the second time that this happened. So, and meanwhile, I was exploring bringing authentic movement into performance. And that was another overlapping process um, with, with the creation of, of, of the Origins program, because that went on for nearly 20 years, that research. And it was funded very generously by the Arts Council. And there's two more books about that and everything. But it was coming to a close and um, and I knew it was it was done. It was done. So then this this new piece came through and I said, these are all the pieces I feel most passionate about. How can I bring them together? Nice. So you break your book up into nine different sections called spirals, spiral mm. one through nine. And I found it really fascinating that you chose spiral as yeah. kind of a symbol representing each of the segments of your book because mm -hmm. um, it has you know, a spiritual context. It has uh, a, a mathematical context to it. I mean, there's a lot of different contexts of spirals. Why spirals for you? What, what, what yeah. led to have that as kind of a symbol for your work? Okay. Well, um, a spiral is something my body has always wanted to execute <laughs> the feeling of spiraling rotating either going down to the floor or coming back up and i never could do it <laughs> it was never satisfactory also in the birth process spiraling happens as the baby is coming through it's rotating and spiraling as well so um so it was a longing for satisfaction, <laughs> for physical satisfaction of that. And also <clears throat> in a lot of my drawing and my artwork, it would be, I would be drawing spirals and spirals that went into space and came back and, and moved. So I could, I could sort of nearly get it on the page and all of the figures, the little drawings in the book, they're all based on spirals. Nice. They're drawn through spirals. And the, the, the logo for the, on the front of the book is a series of free-handed spirals that came for me during a very deep somatic experience in a therapy session I was having with my therapist at the time. And I just went home and I kept drawing what I had felt, what I had felt. And, and that's what eventually came out. Wow. So I, I have to call them spirals. <laughs> I, I can because see it's why. not a linear process. It's not linear. So as I mentioned, you nine 
spiral sections, one through nine. Mm -hmm. um, and I want to tease people because obviously I want people to buy your book and look mm -hmm. into your work. But can you walk me through maybe a little bit of each one of the spirals? Because um, it's, it's a developmental process. You go from like conception to I'm out of the womb and I'm doing stuff. Yeah. I'm walking around and engaging mm. the world. Um, so walk us through the, the spirals in that way. And as mm. you work with people through this system, you know, what kind of systems within the body are they engaging or re-engaging? You know, in many cases, probably engaging for the first time. Mm. Um, can you, if you wouldn't mind. Yeah, yeah. Well, um, the first spiral one was like really the ground of, of being. So, um, mm. so it, it took in um, preconception and um, the very early patterns before anything was formed. Like I became really fascinated and I have to say at the time, Spiral One was all over the place because it was so vast. <laughs> it became so vast. We were in space, we were with air, we were with vibration. We, and then we came into polarity and attraction, repulsion. And it was just incredibly vast until we managed finally to get to cell and cell membrane. <laughs> so... So that was all of spiral one. And, um, and then spiral two, I called attachment. Yeah. And that was like the bonding. What happens when we bond, when cells come together? So that's the very early, early time in, in utero. And- um, I ask you about that. Can you talk about developmental tasks as navel radiation? Navel Naval radiation, yes. But this is a time in utero when the umbilical cord actually starts to form nearly, it's, it's like it's the center. And the limbs organize themselves around this center. So everything radiates out. It's the starfish time. Uh, so it's linked into that. And everything radiates from the center out to the periphery and from the periphery back into the center. So it's a very, very early time um, when the, the umbilical cord has been formed and, and is attaching and the placenta is growing and the whole, that's a very potent and powerful time for the little one. Um, so that, that spiral was very much uh, spent in that. And we also did the heart and blood then too, um, because that's the heart of our relational life. So that's what fitted in there. So when you say that you also did or do the heart and the blood, these are, these are things you have clients who go through the system or process to explore yes. at the developmental uh, yes. process along the way. Correct? Yes. Yes, there would be guided somatis well, somaticizations, which I have also got in the book. And there's an audio uh, part of the book as well, where people can listen to those um, online. Um, and um, yes, yeah, so there'd be a guided somaticization and then people would have their experience and then there'd be different methods of processing that experience and bringing it 
to a bit more consciousness. And then there be because this was a training, there were skills based practice sessions where people could work on each other and be guided and you know given a skill set as well. I have to imagine that that the metaphysics in which you operate from uh, suggests that there's consciousness at the very beginning of this whole. Oh, world. I've no doubt about that. There's intelligence. Yeah, from the word go. Yeah, yeah, and before the word go, if there if there is any any go at all, <laughs> it's yeah. Cool. So that's uh, spiral two is attachment. Spiral yeah. is nourishment. Spiral three was nourishment, and we I took as my focal point in that the um, the gut tube, the whole digestive tract. So that was extraordinarily powerful as well, and many many. I love making up explorations. So yeah. we we have some really. We had some really interesting explorations around the gut tube. Um, but it's such a delicate, tender place for so many people. And, um, and so many people experience, everybody has something around food. You know, there's always something around food. Uh, food, sex and money are the three big things that we all have something around. So... Um, Let so, me ask you about the, the gut because it just struck me, um, and I don't know if this is true in Ireland, but here in the states, there's a increasing number of of people in general who have autoimmune disorders. Women in particular seem more susceptible to it. A lot of them show up in the gut, yeah. and I'm wondering through the, all these explorations that you've done with clients and practitioners, mm -hmm. has that come up as like an issue to explore? Um, it. I don't remember that specifically coming up it was more the process of taking in okay. and letting go taking in absorbing yep. and letting go and um so and also in each <clears throat> spiral i had discovered this embryological embryo embryologist uh, eric blechschmidt and he um he spoke to something which he called metabolic fields. And these are fields of energy in which the, the forming embryo is formed. So they're incredibly, their polarities usually, pushes, pulls, stresses, strains. But in the, in the working of those, those energies on the fluid in the body, um, systems are formed and and so looking at those kinds of systems like there might be a suction field or a distusion they call distusion field of spreading and uh, various different fields um, of energy that was an incredibly relational piece uh, energetically to bring in to see how is this tissue actually formed in utero how did it differentiate how did it become what it is, what it is I, I have to imagine as you have practitioners and clients explore the different spirals um, and, and the different uh, aspects of development that express themselves from spirals and systems mm -hmm. that emerge from the different spirals 
that there's an intelligence within each of those systems that when your client accesses, mm-hmm. it shifts how they relate to themselves and the world around them. Is that accurate? That's absolutely true. Yes, it completely shifts how they relate to themselves and the world around them then too. Yeah. Yeah. So spiral four is preparation for entry into the world? Yes. Now, um, spiral four, we did, um, oh gosh, I can't remember. What's the system I looked at? Connective tissue. Pardon? Connective tissue. Connective tissue and bone. Yeah. 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 Um, so, so this was all about the getting ready for the actual birth and bone and the, um, the beliefs that get laid down. Um, I somehow was linking the bones of belief <laughs> mm. and where they, you know, I mean, it's not that belief is in every system, different beliefs, but I just used bone and how it, how it forms itself as a metaphor in a way for how beliefs layer in the in our psyches and become very hardened Hardened. yeah Yeah. well what's fascinating is that they're discovering that bones are actually neuroendocrine systems ah you know they produce hormones wow yeah (laughs) like your your self-explorations or your explorations to your your practitioners to your clients yes are now being supported if that's necessary by you know physical science Right, right. Yeah. Oh, that's good to know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then spiral five was um, birth. Yeah. So that was the whole spiral was just dedicated to um, people um, getting into small groups mm-hmm. and um, and learning how to support the person who was birthing learning how to support them through the birth canal <laughs> and, and repatterning all that by finding out what the beliefs were that they came in with, that, that they took on from mom and dad with the environment and offering them something different when they, they eventually were rebirthed. Do you see, is there a nexus for perhaps with the spiral five and birth and something like Dr. Stan Groff's, work on birth the parametric the the i think there's four different types of birthing processes yeah. that you've seen through his earlier lsd work but presently the whole trouble yeah. is there is there a connection there no i didn't use i mean i did i did read some of his work during it just to hold that as well in the field if something like that would come up then i'd have a point of reference for it for the person so they could have a context yeah. But generally, it was really, what was your birth like? What would you like different? Okay, cool. Nice. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, And I have to imagine that people who re-experience their birth and then are given the option for a different type of birth, like psychically, uh, it will also show up physiologically. Yes, yes. They shift how they are operating in the world as a result of that process. Because... For me, this work, you know, it's the most important thing is how you can bring this into your daily life. Yeah, yeah. That's the bottom line here. I don't care if you're 
I mean, I, I, you know, I'm, I'm delighted if people want to bring it into the healing professions and everything. But it's how are you when you go to the supermarket? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. Yes. Mm. Now, spiral six is spiral six on to, so they, they finish. Yeah. They, they're post birth. The post birth, and they're coming on to land. So we did the patterns, the um, homologous patterns and the frog energy and all the reflexes that looked after that supported that and um and also uh, the neuroendocrine system because we're coming into the beginnings of self formation whatever that is mm -hmm. so that was um that was again very creative and very um very creative spiral well they were all creative but this was this was starting to really fire now. Yeah. Literally. <laughs> yeah, literally. And spiral seven then is the nervous system. So that was a huge spiral for, for everyone. Um, and I had to be, I had to, you know, it, it was hard to discern what to, what to take, what to, to actually present because you could do the whole the whole program on the, the nervous system. But for me, the grounding of the nervous system is, the, is really important and finding the balance with the fluids in the body so that it can, because the nervous system can be very raw on its own and also very clinical in some way. It doesn't often have emotional content. So to, to kind of... Um, find ways to soften that and again the sensory the sensory and the motor and finding where there's absence and presence in that all of that yeah. you also talk in in uh, spiral seven about attachment and yes. transitional objects and magic uh, yes. I figure, object relations yes object relations yes that's a big piece that. for me yeah that's a very big piece and that came up through the, the object work really came out through my performance work okay. and working directly with objects of nature um, and, um, and the relationship and how to, how, to, how to be in relationship with object in a way that, that brought life to the object. So, um, so there is that whole magical peace and um there was just a most wonderful book they call the magic years or the magical years by selma freiberg that really when the child thinks they're and believes they're omnipotent if i say this is going to happen it happens you know and then the shock when it doesn't happen and they and, and that whole developmental stage of they're not omnipotent and how do they manage that and how do the parents manage that and what is needed there so the object work came very much into that the transitional object mm -hmm. and attachment yeah so there's attachment was a theme running through all the spirals because it's our lives you know as well mm. let me ask you this so you talked about at the very beginning that in your conventional birthing experience, your, your child, I don't know if it happened all three times, but at least one was taken from you after you gave birth. Mm. And, you know, we know from attachment theory that that's the opposite of really what you want to do. 
in terms of triggering the mother's neurology and oxytocin mm-hmm. and connecting with the yeah. baby and all that kind of good stuff. So when you help someone go through the, the, this process and repattern themselves, um, does it change the way they, they, their attachment um, uh, approach to life? I think so. I think so, really, fundamentally. I mean, at the birthing, at the rebirthing, it was palpable, the oxytocin in the room. (laughs) Absolutely palpable. So, um, yes, so I really think it does. and, And relationships just shifted you know people would come back in with um how they were they just were different when they went home so yeah definitely that's awesome have have any of your practitioners ever worked with couples in that context like so Um, husband and wife or whatever yeah yeah i'm not sure because i i never did a training in couples counseling Mm -hmm. as such or couples therapy so i wasn't so much in a position to offer how to how to train people to, to do that. Um, As a trained marriage and family therapist, I think what, like just taking what you do and bring inside of a couple would be yeah. just with individuals usually powerful, obviously. But yeah. I can just imagine a yeah. couple. Wow. Well, there was one couple because there were there were two men originally on the program, and. Um, and one of those men and one of the women participants actually got together oh, nice. in the program, and now, <laughs> yeah, now have a have have a lovely um, four or five year old boy <laughs> together, and they were actually right on cue. They got together at the fertilization weekend, <laughs> and then it developed slowly from that. So that baby, he was born. Uh, just at the end of the program, and he got a certificate too. <laughs> <laughs> and deservedly so. Yes. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> well, so that's, we, we've done spiral six and seven. Seven is perception. Spiral eight is the flow of life. Yes. Part of that is uh, developmental look at crawling patterns. Yes. And I'm curious, you know, as you work with someone, and I have to imagine the various other types of trainings you did completely play a huge role in this in terms of spontaneous movement and, and re kind of developing, developing appropriate movement patterns mm. based on kind of a, a, a natural expression, as opposed to being forced on us by the mm. outside world and yeah. technology and such. And I'm wondering what have you seen in people who go through that part of your process in terms of their movement patterns and how yeah. that works for them. And what's, what aspects of the one's psychology would you say is connected to those movement patterns that mm. you can clearly see as you work with someone? Mm-hmm. That question makes sense. Yes, yes. Well, um, I have to say you do see it more, um, more immediately with children okay. if you work with that. Yeah. But the adults, like, for example... The, the, it, it just gives a better, people, people feel more um, secure about their embodiment, mm-hmm. about their own being in a body, you know. They get in touch with their own agency. Yeah. And um, the fullness of movement that can be experienced 
like crawling to me is one of the most exquisite spiraling patterns. Um, and it, it feeds into the brain. All of these patterns uh, pattern the brain as well. So, um, so if you really want to encourage three-dimensional thinking <laughs> and whole thinking, then you really practice your crawling patterns. So you get this going backwards and forwards from right brain to left brain and, 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 and creating those pathways. So it, it definitely impacts different areas of the brain and brings them more online. So it's, it's enlivening in that way. Uh, and what I also hear you saying too is it develops a, a sense of greater self-trust. Yes. Which I would imagine leads to greater self-confidence too. Yes, absolutely. In the yes. time and space. Yes. Yes, and a well-being and a sense of agency in the world. I can do this, you know, this or whatever it is. You know, the babies that are picked up and put standing all the time, even with the best, they're always with the best intentions of, of parents, you know, but that they know how to get to standing themselves because this is one of the key things that Bonnie really told us. The baby, the infant has to find it in their own body. If it is done for them, then they've lost out something. Yeah, that's one of my concerns. You know, as you kind of started this conversation about conventional birthing and the medicalization of birth, which is a huge problem. Mm. It seems to me that the use of technology for babies to help them stand and move and all that stuff yeah. is kind of counter to what God, yeah. or spirit, or yeah. evolution, or whatever you want to frame it, intended for the development of that baby into a full yeah. whole human being yeah i i absolutely i couldn't agree more and bonnie was always she would often say because at that time in the 91 one of the big fads was a bouncer yeah so you'd put your baby in this in your in the door frame and she said it's one of the worst things it doesn't help them to find that bounce and that rebound in themselves mm. Yeah. So we have one more spiral, spiral number nine. Oh, yes. Just a reminder to our viewing and listening audience, we're talking about Joan Davis's book, Origins, a somatically based approach to our developmental and evolutionary processes from preconception to standing. So tell us a little bit about spiral number nine. Well, spiral nine was where I wanted to bring in the whole authentic movement um, piece. And in many ways, um, people said, oh, this is like another whole training coming in here. <laughs> but, um, um, but anyway, it had to be brought in. And um, because people had done so much of the developmental work in the previous eight spirals, then um, they were really, they had developed for themselves a quite strong internal witness, that is the capacity to track and follow their own process. So, so that meant we were able to, to dive in more to the ground form that I had studied with Janet. 
And Janet was already shifting from the ground form to the discipline, what she calls the discipline of authentic movement. And it was no accident that um, just um, in the, just before the Spiral Nine began, really, I, I went down with the pneumonia and I was in hospital and, um, and I knew I could not do this spiral on my own. And so, um, so at that point, I really, I asked the community of origins um, students, it set up all kinds of different qualities of container to help hold the space for the authentic movement to happen. So that was no accident and it was really fantastic. So they got to really know what it was like to hold space for the unconscious to arise and for them to be able to start to learn what, what it was like to witness somebody else and to be in the presence of somebody else's process as they're tracking their own process. Wow, so, what a yeah. wonderful gift. Mm. So we've been talking about your book, Origins, and your story which led you to create Origins. Definitely encourage people to check out the book. It's a, it's a great read. Where can people find out more about your work, about your book, things like those? If they go on my website, um, they, can, they can do that. www.gorsehill.net. Um, can you spell so, Gorse Hill? Yeah, G-O-R-S-E-H-I-L-L dot net and all one word and um um yeah and they can order it directly from me that's that's the best way to do it yeah well i definitely encourage our viewing and listening audience to check out joan's book Mm. origins systematically based approach to our developmental and evolutionary processes from conception to standing joan it's been great to talk to you thank you very much for inviting uh, me And I look forward to hopefully meeting you someday in person. Well, that would be great. I'd love that. (laughs) Take care. Okay. Thank you.